Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast with Lenny Marcus. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Neil Pennsylvania Potter. Hey there. Four topics, 15 minutes each. We're just killing time. Kill it with us. Our Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is the number 4C podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on the Riotcast Network, Riotcast.com. Today's guest for Corona Week, I think this is seven, is one of the OGs, Oceanside Geeks, that I grew up with. In the realm of Lenny Marcus, he may be the biggest sports fan I know. Yankees, Giants, Knicks, Islanders. Watch out, Neil. He knows his stuff. He's currently a writer for the News on New York One, a famous channel here in New York City. And Joe Pizarczyk is his best friend. It's Phil Ellison. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for coming on, Phil. Now, Phil, let's talk about... Phil is one of the people I know the longest, Neil, from Oceanside, New York. And uh, when did you move there? Like seventh grade? Yeah. Middle of seventh grade. Middle of seventh grade. Uh, so I met you at basically middle school. And um, and that was right in the heart of the reason I bring up Joe Pizarczyk. It, one of my great Phil Ellison memories is that you had in the in your downstairs of your home this uh, – why don't you explain? You had like a tray, an, a tray table to eat stuff, and then it had a big dent in it. And one day we asked you what the dent was, and it's Joe Pizarczyk, right? Yeah, I was probably. Uh, For people who don't remember, can you about explain? The maddest, the the most upset I ever got over a game, we'll because s- it was just so incredible, such an incredible loss. We'll set it up. It was like seventy nine, and they're going. For, the Giants are going for the playoffs. I think it was earlier than that. I think it was seventy seven. Oh, okay, so now the Giants are have a shot at the playoffs. And I, I think this was before I moved to Oceanside. This game happened. Okay. Um. You know, they, they basically they had they had the game won. Mm-hmm. They had uh, the lead over the Eagles. All they had to do was snap the ball twice and take a knee, and they handed and it was over. And it would have it was somewhere in the middle of the season. The Giants at that point had never made the playoffs in my lifetime. <laughs> they were sort of in the race. Yeah. At that point, it would have been a huge division win for them. And instead of taking a knee, they tried to hand the ball off. Inexplicably, that was they fumbled. Herm Edwards picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown, and they lost. Yes, that Herm Edwards, everybody, the one who coached the Eagles. You played to win the games. It was that guy. Yeah, yeah and the Eagles went on to win the game because they didn't take a knee. And Joe Pizarczyk thought that you know they called for a run for some reason. I don't know why. It turned out to be probably one of the greatest things that ever happened to the Giants in retrospect. Because once that happened, they cleaned house. They they fired everybody. They fired everybody. They brought in George Young. They drafted Sims. You know the fans revolted. They flew a plane over the stadium. It was the uh, it was a major turning point. But at the moment it happened, I was just and I wasn't furious right away because I was just in such shock for a couple of minutes. So you karate chopped Neil. The story is he karate chopped it Hong Kong Fui style and put a major dent in the thing, right? 
<laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. But you're not the only one. We've spoken. I've spoken over my lifetime since that day. We thought that was funny. We just laughed like little kids. But since that day, I have spoken to more Giants fans with holes in their wall or <laughs> shit that got broken from that play. I'm not joking. At least I've met at least eight people in my lifetime. I have a hole in my basement from that game. I have a hole in my wall from that game. I have a broken vase from that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm, well, I'm relatively saying that just a whole pass in a try. Sorry, say it one more time, Phil. Well, compared to holes in the wall, I feel like I'm relatively <laughs> sane. I just had a little dent in the tray. I'm sorry, Neil. What did you say? I said it's funny because the Steelers almost replicated that play. From that moment on, everybody takes a knee, and then they move like 30 guys back to, to <laughs> tackle the guy. It literally, from that moment, created a whole other world. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's so insane what people yeah. do now. But that was that was just one of uh, Phil. Did you have a hole in your wall from another one? I don't remember. Was there another hole? No, I mean I've had I've had other incidents during games when I've gotten very angry. Um, I don't remember ever breaking anything or I also, other than hurting myself mostly. I also have some great well punching we, walls or something. Well, I've seen Phil get upset. It's not pretty, but you're not really a, a angry person. You're just, you know, you get frustrated with something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to get people. To, I, don't, I know I don't get angry at people. Right, right. I'm a nice guy. I mean, I, you know, I don't get angry at anything that can get angry back at me. Right, <laughs> that's probably a good idea. Um, yeah. So you go to Brandeis, and what was your major at Brandeis? Did it have anything to do with, uh, you know, television? No, um, I, my freshman year, I, uh, my major was computer science, and after my, and I, I didn't like it, so I switched my sophomore year to American Studies, which was <clears throat> more my, I was just studying American history, American literature, didn't really line up anything job-wise, but what got me into it was also my freshman year I joined uh, the campus radio station. Oh, okay. So you had some um, background. Right. And then... Um, Were you Phil Ellison on the radio? And then my, or my, you... my junior year, I became the sports director of the station. And then my senior year, I got an internship with an affiliate in Boston. And that's how it all set off. Well, did you ever want to just be a, D a DJ? Um... I actually never DJed. I did host. I mean, I, I got into it. I did all the sports for the station. Oh, okay. I hosted um, during football season. I had a show twice a week. Did you? Uh, have, Sundays we took phone calls. Um, did you have any kind and of? Then, um, wait, did you have any kind of like nickname like Phil the Thrill? <laughs> no. <laughs> Phil, I know the that would have been good. Yeah, that would have been. <laughs> Probably should have gave yourself a moniker or something, no? Yeah. Wait, <laughs> well, if I how, DJ'd, much are, maybe. how much are you guys hanging out when you guys are young? Oh, we, I don't know. We we had a couple of periods where we, we hung out. Like, the, Stratomatic became big then, and this guy down my block needed one player to play <laughs> Stratomatic. And I don't know if you know even know what that is, Neil. Stratomatic yeah. is the forerunner to what is now fantasy sports. But back then, all these guys, they would they would... 
they would take a year of all the sports, put them in, take the statistics, and put them on the on these cards. And each player got a card where it was a dice game, and you'd roll the dice. And if the guy was a really good home run hitter, he'd probably on a seven, you'd have a home run, and on a two, you'd probably have. I'm sorry, yeah, on a two, you'd have like a walk. And like three, four, five, if the guy was a really good hitter, you'd have walks or hits. And if he's a really bad hitter, like on seven, you'd have a strikeout every time, right? And so they kind of equated how to roll the dice to how good a player was. And And there were pitcher cards too. There's pitcher cards and hitter cards. So you have to like draft your team, play the games out against the other team's cards. And there was a whole system of playing against the other team's cards. And so guys would get together and sit in rooms for you know four guys six guys they have leagues of this stuff and they would sit together in rooms and play against each other play like two games a day and then you know and then go home and have dinner with your parents and this guy down my block needed one more guy and i, I couldn't believe they did that i had no idea this was going on but you guys were doing this way before i met you with this guy down my this guy steven down my block right how many how long did you play those games Probably started shortly after I moved there, eighth, seventh, eighth grade. Did it all through junior high and high school. I don't remember when you joined in. I don't. I think it was fairly early. Yeah, I don't know. I got in. I don't know. They needed one guy, and this guy was like, "I can't do anything with you today." I kept saying, "You want to do something today?" And he's like, "I can't do anything with you today. I'm playing. I'm doing this. I'm playing stratomatic baseball." And then I'd be like, "Okay, season's over. Like, what? I'm playing stratomatic hockey. All right, I'm playing strat. I'm like, what is this game?" So I go over and and these guys are all in this guy's house playing this game. It was crazy. You never Can we make a TV show about this? It sounds totally interesting. Can we do that, please? <laughs> I'll tell you what. There's there's tons of stuff. There's there were this wasn't just us. It's me. still around. It's still around. People are still doing this stuff. Well, it's fantasy now, right? No, or that's still around. Yeah, I think fantasy is. Fantasy took it over because you did have to do the stats yourself. Luckily, we had one guy. We had one guy who loved doing the stats for the league. He loved it, you know. And so he would hand out stat sheets every couple of games. Like every 10 games, he would hand out a stat sheet. And they'd had, I mean, these leagues were cutthroat. These guys thought that they were really winning the World Series. and And they would shit on each other and each other's team. So... I got to say, it was pretty funny, to be honest with you. And Phil, the, my favorite part of it was if the guy would underperform, like Phil crumpled his card. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that, but I believe it. Well, there was a guy in the hockey. My favorite one is in the hockey one. There was a guy who was a right wing for the Boston Bruins named Rick Middleton, who scored a lot of goals in the late 70s for the Boston Bruins, right? And um, yeah. and then there was a rule. This rule went into effect because of Rick Middleton. Phil got mad one day, was so mad at this card that he crumpled it to like dust. You know, just just mashed it to dust. And so his nickname was Rumple Crumpleton after that. And then you weren't. The rules were you had to buy the next set of cards because the cards were expensive. You had to beg your parents for the money to buy the cards. It was like hundred dollars a set. So for the new cards that came out every year. And so um, there was no more crumpling the cards. You had to take your anger out elsewhere because, like, you so Phil instead would throw the cards across the room. So then there were rules about throwing the cards across the room. It, Neil, this was like the geekiest anger yeah. management classes that needed to happen for sports ever. 
So tons of girls there, right? Tons of girls. Tons. It was like, it was like, uh, it was so far away from girls. It was frightening. Like even if girls walked in the room, get out. I mean, it was, it was literally like, it was junior high school to its hilt. But Phil had some amazing things happen to him. Like, for example, this is how crazy Phil, sports fan Phil was. Phil went to the, when the Islanders won the first cup, Phil was at that game, game six. Now, I did the math. You couldn't be 15, right? What are you, 14? I was, I was 15. 15, and he went alone. Now, Neil, <laughs> Neil, to the Stanley Cup, game six files against the Flyers at the Nassau Coliseum. Phil's mom drops him off, <laughs> and they win the Stanley Cup on a, on a, on a goal by Bobby Nystrom and, in overtime, right, Phil? And... And his mom just picks him up. This isn't before cell phones. Now, how did you even get your mom to know? Was she watching? She had to watch the game. <laughs> and it went to overtime. So, well, you know, where we lived, it was like a 15, 20-minute drive from the Coliseum. Yeah. So, and she even said to me, I mean, you know, I'm not going to leave till the game's over. You okay with that? And I was like, yeah, because if they win, there's going to be a long celebration. Yeah. So, in fact, when she finally did get me, I didn't even want to leave. I mean, there was a party in the parking lot going on. Um, but yeah, she had to she had to watch the game, and she knew as, as soon as it was over, she had to leave and come get me. You want to talk about a different time, Neil? What mom would drop their kid off at a coliseum now at 15 and then just disappear? Now, did you have a ticket, or you got your way, you figured out how to get in? Um, I got a ticket the day before the game from my mom. Her uh, her employer had season tickets at the time, and like once or twice a year they would give her tickets, and it was always for the games against like the Canucks and the Colorado Rockies, you know, the games nobody wanted to go to. Yeah. So I remember she called me on a Friday afternoon. I was still kind of bummed because they had lost the night before they had a chance to win the Cup. How, do you want, how would you like to go to the game? And I was like, oh my God, I was ecstatic. Of course I go. She said, but the only problem is there's only one ticket. And I said, okay, can we? Can you bring me there and drop me, you know, drop me off and pick me up? She said, yeah, sure. What happened was, <laughs> game was supposed to be on Saturday night, and at the last minute, like CBS bought the rights to it and moved it to the, the daytime, like a two o'clock start, and somebody because of the time switch, couldn't go. Oh, uh, so yeah, that's funny. Ended up with one ticket. <laughs> to the and that's, it was the first time I ever been to a game by myself. And, and uh, my far the greatest game I've ever been to. And possibly the <laughs> best game in the history of the franchise, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's great. That's insane. And the other great memory I have of, of our childhood is I remember... You got all the, I don't know, you had a single mom, so she, she got you everything. Like, you had all the HBOs and all the cable before everybody else had cable, it felt like, and then you could watch anything. Oh, I think it was just the opposite. I feel like we were one of the last to get it. Oh, really? But she let you watch everything. I remember, I remember during the, the 80, 80, 81, 82 playoffs going to Steve's house to watch some of the games. We actually got cable during the 82 playoffs. Oh, okay. So Stanley Cup playoffs. I think I re- I could swear though I remember my the memory I have of us watching Dice uh at the Garden. So that must be right around that time then. Maybe you just gotten it. Dice at the Garden. He sold Probably. out the he sold out the Garden and my mom's not letting me watch that. 
right? Or whatever. I don't know. I still think we were 15. And then, and then we watched it in like your house. And I remember just how we were howling. Like, this is nothing we've ever seen. Those nursery rhymes we thought were the funniest things in the history of the world. And that was, that was, you know, I don't know, Neil, that's not why I became a stand-up comedian, but I was blown away by that Dice performance like everybody else, live at the Garden. Yeah, when Dice hit, he hit big. Oh, yeah, that was huge. Like, it was insane. Like, the next day, all I remember is everybody in school was talking about it. That was it. Everybody was talking. Did you see that last night? Did you see that Dice? That's, that's all people were talking about. Yeah, no, it was, it was big. Even in Texas. It was? Yeah, and even in Texas, but it was a little later. Maybe hit Texas like a year year later. <laughs> well, that makes sense. You guys are always a little behind. Yeah, we're always behind. All right, let's go on. Phil, welcome aboard. Now, that wasn't so painful, Thanks. was it? I wanna, no, it was fun. I want to talk about the second part of this. Uh, the second corner we have today is writing the news. Um, you write okay. the, You write the news for New York One. Is that correct? For those people yeah. who don't know, New York One is a cable channel on what they would call Time Warner Cable here, and now it's called Spectrum, right? And it's so... It's, yeah. Where does that go? It's just New York? New York City? The boroughs? Yeah, it's, the, the five, it's, it's just for the five boroughs. I mean, the news... We are now available in other markets. I, I know there are certain places in New Jersey, and I was stunned when I visited my sister in Tampa to find out she gets it. She didn't even know she had it. Oh, wow. Like on Channel 900 something. Do. But, you know, we have a, a whole bunch of sister stations across the country now. We have um, markets all over, but we basically are just New York City news. I mean, if there's a, a fire in New Jersey or Long Island, we don't care. <laughs> okay. Long Island doesn't care? Really? They don't even matter? <laughs> that hurts. That hurts, Phil. Wow. <laughs> I know. We, 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 I mean, it would have to be like really, you know, big news for us to go out, for us to cover something outside the city. Go ahead, Neil. Ask. Yeah. How do you How do you land this job? How does this start? Um. Well, basically, I, I. Where are you before? I knew somebody. I. My all my jobs before this were in sports. I worked for MSG Network, a place called New Sport on Long Island. And the last job I had before New York One was with the NBA, and I got laid off when they went on strike. <laughs> and I, one of my f- friends was working at New York One and, suge- and suggested I apply there. And I thought, okay, sure, I, mean, I needed a job, and I thought, hey, that'll be cool, I'll add news to my resume, and when the NBA strike's over, I'll go back there. That's so hilarious. Neil, the NBA... 20, that was 20 years ago, and I'm still there. <laughs> Somehow the NBA ran out of wow. money. I don't know how that even happened. Well, when the, when the strike ended, I did go back to work at the NBA, and I ended up like freelancing at both places for about two months. Mm. And then a full-time job opened up at New York One, and then I applied, and I got it, and I, I needed the benefits, and that's when I quit the NBA. Was it a news writing job? Uh, no, I started at New York One as an editor. I was an editor there for my first like four years or so. Is that and how... Then they, uh, is that how it's normally done? Like you start as an editor and then you do you can write stuff? No, that's it, it's kind of rare. Um, well, with my story, what happened? Well, we were originally on Forty Second Street, and then in two thousand two, we moved uh, down to the Chelsea Market. And when we were on Forty Second Street, 
video you saw in the air. And when we moved to the Chelsea market, that changed. Um, all the, the writers were able to cut all their own video and sound bites themselves. Oh, wow. And the role of the editor was diminished to only working with reporters on packages, which is those like two-minute pieces you see right. from a reporter. And we had a 4 a.m. to noon shift for an editor. And after a couple of months, they realized they don't need him anymore. There's no reporter does anything that early in the morning. <laughs> so they were going to get rid of it. But uh, the producer said they didn't want, you know, they, they felt like they needed somebody there just in case. So somebody suggested, well, why don't we try Phil since he's already doing, he's already writing the sports for them on the side. Okay. So and so they came to me with this proposal about doing you know, a 5 a.m. shift where I would be a writer and also, if needed, I would be an editor. And my initial reaction was horror. I'm a night person. I couldn't imagine working a shift at 5 a.m. But I realized I better do it because I saw the writing on the wall that editors were, weren't doing as much as they used to. So they gave me a writing test, and I, I guess I passed, or they were desperate enough to use me. So for about five or six years, that was my life, getting up at like four in the morning, Jeez. Coming, home around, coming home around noon, going right to sleep. What's it now? Um, what are you doing now? What shift? Well, now I'm uh, now it's completely done. Now I'm back on the night shift. Now my shift is uh, three to eleven. Oh, okay. Well, do you get after several years went by and they realized they didn't really need anybody who could edit on the mornings anymore, and I was grateful to not have to do that anymore. Well, that's cool. well. Is what's happening now the worst? I mean, the wildest, worst, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, is it fun to write the news now? Oh, crazy? yeah, I mean, I didn't think anything would ever top 9-11, but I think, I think this does. So every day you're just watching, like, what? how do you get your news? Like, how do you, who's coming, who's telling you the stories that are breaking, or you're just watching other outlets? No, I mean, it's basically, it's, it's almost as if I'm still at work. I mean, somehow they were able to, I mean, everybody, I think 99% of the workforce now is working at home for, for my company, I mean, um, we're all communicating over texts and emails and this thing called Spark, where we have conference, like conference texting. No, but I mean, how do you? How, wait, no, how do you? Like, how do you get your information? You have reporters that report back to you, and you write it up. Oh, well, there's several different ways. It depends on what kind of story we're writing on. First, there's a when I go onto my computer, there's a segment. There's a, a category for stories that need to be written. And on night, there's me and one other writer, and whoever's available just jumps into that story. And it could be something that is on the AP wires. It could be uh, writing a version of a shorter version, you know, those like two-minute packages I mentioned that a reporter does. They might want like a 40-second a version of that. You know, take out all the... You know, just pared down so, you know, we don't have to run the package every half hour. Um, or it could be a story that we, um, you know, our assignment desk has just gotten all the information and we go into 
the planning room to get all the information for the story. And then we, and we have, um, you know, people who go out and shoot the video and get the, uh, the sound bites and we write the story. We cut the video. Any, if it, there are sound bites, we put that into the story and, so, like, what are you? That's it. What are you writing about now? So you're not. So you're doing any national news, or is it all just local? Where you just get like you're doing. You're covering hospitals. You're covering. You know, the streets are empty. What do you? What do you? You know, like, what's your main coverage? Yeah, we're basically like ninety percent of what we're doing right now is Corona related. <laughs> um, we do have like. Um, we do do like a, a small thing where we like here's a wrap up of what's going on elsewhere in the nation or here's a wrap up of what else is going on in the world but it's also basically all corona related well how did what did, um, did you fire the sports guy i mean there's nothing yeah we there. laid off i i basically ha- we laid off our sports department our entire sports department a couple of years ago shortly after spectrum took over for time warner we used to have a um a one-hour phone-in sports show every night at eleven thirty. Oh yeah, that's gone. Why? Because the Knicks would... are so bad. You don't want to cover them. <laughs> what? The Knicks are so bad. You don't want to cover them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean there hasn't been a lot of uh, winning in New York lately, but the, no, I'm sure it was because of money. Oh. Right. So, but we still have. You know, we don't go in depth, but we still have like brief sports wraps every day, and basically. That's something I do every night. I mean, there aren't any games going now, so there isn't a lot of sports to write. Occasionally, like yesterday, the Hall of Fame right, canceled. got canceled. So, you know, most of the sports stories nowadays are corona-related. Right. This got canceled. This got canceled. This is postponed. All right, let me ask you some quick questions on New York One that I've always wanted to know. First of all... Um, uh, the the people for the people who don't know the great thing about New York One was always like you could turn to Channel One immediately or the TV would light up to Channel One you know every time you turn your box on that was the default right. they gave you and then in the corner was the time and the weather and for some reason right. everybody literally keeps Time Warner Spectrum cable because of the time and the weather like I can't believe other stations just don't do this constantly because that's literally the only reason I must have kept it around for like four years just because. I could get the time and the weather the second I woke up and I hit the button. I could just look over at the TV and see the time and the weather. And you did weather on the ones or weather on the eights. Sorry, weather on the eights, right? No, we're weather on the ones. Weather on the ones because it's New York one, right? So weather on the ones. So it was like, yeah. okay. So between the weather, it was always great because I look at the clock. Okay, here's the weather. And you give that update on the eights. I mean, on the ones every time was great. That's how you made your bones. Still do. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then, but uh, it's the other question I have is you have a guy that does the news, this Pat Kiernan guy. He's like he's yes. so famous in New York for doing the being on New York One that they kind of spoofed him on How I Met Your Mother. Yes, they did. They they spoofed the whole station. Yeah, they spoofed they the whole state. They that, called it New, Metro News One or something. Right, and that's she got a job there. So it was you guys were involved in that. They even his his most famous segment is reading. This is what's in the papers today. They spoofed that too. That's right, Neil. If you don't, I don't know if you know this, Neil. That he would his big segment is what's in the papers, and he would cut out. They cut out the other news stories, and they go the New York Times today. Here's a story from the New York Times. 
Here's a story from the Daily He's reading other papers' headlines. No, I, I know. I saw it. I saw it. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. but that he's Phil's right. That is the two best segments on the show are the weather and this guy reading <laughs> other news stories. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, my biggest question is, uh, with everything going on, like, how do you find out the what? How do you report the truth? <laughs> like the facts. What are, you know? How do you, you know that your facts aren't as like, like compared to the alternate facts? <laughs> you know. Well, we do take pride in staying balanced and not going far to the left or far to the right with anything. It's a little difficult sometimes to report on Trump because he just does so so many outrageous things and tells so many untruths, but we basically, we just say, here's what he said. Well, And we try, and it... Like, how do you guys write without any sarcasm, like when he says, like, you can ingest, you know, he's ingesting, you know, Clorox or whatever, it, like, uh, you know, Lysol. You know, you could try cleaning yourself oh, out from the inside. Like when you're writing, we get, first- we get all that out. We get all that out in the newsroom, but don't actually put it on the air. But how does the- <laughs> we'll just do it amongst ourselves? I mean, how, the, so the- I mean, there are so many times that I, I've, I've wanted to write something <laughs> how could you- funny or snarky, and they just, I, I just, if I come, if I think of it, I'll just, I'll just say it out loud, but I won't write it for anyone to read. So you're telling me that the anchor, whoever it is, Pat Kiernan, whoever, is that good that he can say it? He can read it without anything in his voice. Just those are the, you know, the president said yeah, you could. I mean, that's... Yeah. And do you do you feel pressure to do it a different way, or you feel? I mean, maybe it's like the last news network still presenting just the news. It's it's right, but do you feel pressure to get it to go either way, or no? No. <laughs> been, that's been our. Uh, are the way we've been doing things since they went on the air. Okay, I know you're a big Letterman fan, and you have a guy, this Roger clown, who gets on, and he is, I mean, they he's the man on the street. They send him out for those interviews. Right. There's always one guy on every network. They send him out there. Like, he's the Larry Bud Melman of New York One. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure he went to broadcasting school. I mean, he is... I don't even know what to call this guy. I feel like he was laying on his couch, and they were like, dude, you're on. And he got in a van, <laughs> and he got to whatever it was. Like, what? Ice cream? Ask about ice cream. What kind of flavors do you have? That's good. You know? Like, what's up with that, dude? He's been there forever. Yeah, he's been there almost as long as I have. Does he get paid big money for that? I mean, he's not, I mean that's basically his beat, is he covers a lot of the lighter stories. Right. I mean, he has done... I mean, he has done hard news. He he can do it if needed, but his basic um, role is to cover lighter stories. That guy doesn't have the face for hard news. I can tell you that right now. You know, he has the face that he doesn't he, have. What he doesn't have the face. Oh. He should be doing goofy stories. You know. <laughs> Was there any one story that you remember that? Well, you're he's like, good oh, at that. I mean, we have people who are like dead serious who like. When we give them a lighter story, I mean, they just they seem a little bit out of their element. <laughs> the Easter egg hunt went awry today. <laughs> um, is yeah, they, they, they can't make that. It's, it's tough to sometimes make that switch. W- was there ever the moment from, like, broadcast news where somebody put something in the teleprompter 
and the guy just read it flat out when clearly he shouldn't have read it. <laughs> like Anchorman? Yeah, Anchorman, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, we've had our share of bloopers, but I can't think of anyone, anything specifically <laughs> that bad. All right. Well, all right. Well, cool. And if you see Pat Kiernan, I don't. How old is that guy now? He, he doesn't age. <laughs> I mean, I can't. Um, he's right around. Four, he's been forty forever. You know what I mean? When he's probably thirty, he was probably forty. When he's fifty, he's probably. Or he's 40. one of the, the one of the few people who's been there longer than me. How? Say it again, Neil. They have the live show now in the morning. Yeah, they do one live, right? And then they they repeat it, right, Phil? Um, well, now things are a little different now, I mean, because everybody's working at home, um, but, yeah, one of the mainstays of the station now, for uh, about three or four years now, is that we do a live morning show every day from 6 to 9 a.m. Oh, okay. It's more, it's a little bit, it's still basically what New York One is, but also a little bit more like a Today Show type thing as well. Right. Right. All and right. that's where and, that, and that's where and Roger comes on at the end of the hour with a lighter story. <laughs> well, sadly, I've gotten rid of it. We've gone to Verizon. They're just unfortunately they're better for for uh, what we do here at the uh, Neil and Lenny Telethon. Now we we've, we we like I love New York One, but I had to get rid of Spectrum. They were too expensive, and uh, I know you guys well, are online. They always not, try, they try to sell you with like we're online too. You can get us online. I'm like no. No, thanks. Not me, Lenny. I'm in Pennsylvania, and that's all I do is watch New York One. Oh, all right. There you go. There you go. So that's you're watching Phil's work right oh, there. Thanks for your support. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on. All right, the third corner I want to talk about is the NFL and the draft. Uh, we had the okay. the NFL's draft was this week, and of course you watched it because that was the only sports we had for the last, like, I don't know, right. 50 days. So... Right. All right, who won, who lost? First of all, I know you're a Giants fan. Let's start there. Did you like the Giants draft? Um, yeah, I kind of, I, I've always been of the mindset of like, I, I don't know who any of these guys are. Once you get past the first round. Right. You know, um, and I, you know, I wanted a tackle. They've needed offensive line help forever. And I know that there were, four supposedly blue-chip tackles available this year. And I was hoping the Giants would get one. I was hoping they would trade down, because I figured they could move down, stay in the top ten, and still get one of the four. But I'm not going to pretend to know I know which one of the four was best. I mean, I know everybody seems to say, you know, one of the other guys was better, Wills or Beckton, whatever, but they don't know. They're not watching game film. They're just basing their opinion on what the other experts are saying. Yeah, but nobody knows. The Most exactly. of the experts didn't have Thomas number one, but, you know, the Giants did. I, I, hopefully, they, I mean, Gettleman hasn't done a great job in many areas, but he has done pretty good with the draft, I feel. so. And talent evaluating to strength, so hopefully he knows what he's talking about. It could be years before we know which of these four turns out to be the best. It could be, you know, all four of them turn out to have great careers. That's true. I mean, look, a lot of guys do make it. They don't have, sometimes they don't make it on their team. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know. By the time they, they get 
they're at like these linemen, they don't get good for a couple of years, especially when they're 20 years old. So they don't become good pros rated pros until like year four. And then the team doesn't want to pay him the big money. They disappear and they end up playing for like, you know, 15 years in the league. Um, yeah. But the lineman is the safest way to go. I like when the Giants have to draft a lineman. It's the other guys that you bring in that, the, the, like, if Saquon Barkley was a bust, you're really in trouble. Or if you bring in a quarterback that turns into a bust, you're in big trouble. Uh, I mean, uh, Gettleman would have been fired if Daniel Jones had, was bad last that's year. That's what I, I said. If Dan, that, he, that pick saved his job. All right, now tell Neil. Neil insists that Daniel Jones will be mm. a bust. He thinks he's nothing. Wait, wait. Before you start, is your lineman that you drafted going to be as good as Tony Mandridge, I think. <laughs> no, Tony Mandridge is a bust. Yeah, that's always that's always the risky thing. I mean, hopefully he's better than Eric Flowers too. Oh man, <laughs> first round. We got you know talk about getting in a pickle. You know they needed a first round pick, and the year they they needed a first round tackle, and the year they picked there were no tackles, so they end up taking the wrong one. And uh, and that was Eric Flowers. You know, this year there's a tons of tackles. They need a tackle, and they picked a tackle. So it really should. Oh God! It's, it's so disappointing to pick a tackle, though. No, it's I have not. To admit, it's disappointing. No, you want yeah. The more people, it's not exciting. It's not exciting. Yeah, not it's not exciting. It, draft someone exciting, and then trade them like the next cup just to give the fans some excitement. Well, the thing the thing about it is when you draft, the they'll never be higher uh, priced than that draft. Like. You could draft a guy, like, for example, at any tackle you get in this draft first round, when they trade him away, they never get back value for him. You never get that first round value. That's why when the when Dallas the other year got Amari Cooper for, like, and gave away the first round pick for Amari Cooper, I was like, you got to be kidding. That's the first time you'll ever see a, a one go for a wide receiver as he's four years into the league. Ugh. Like, that was a... but. Neil, the Steelers. That's the that's Neil's team. What what do you think of your draft, Neil? They they didn't have a draft. Exactly. You had like no picks until round what three? Yeah, but that's what I I'm, I go back to the same. I would rather just draft Jalen Hurts, someone I know that just something exciting. I needed. I it was my only entertainment to draft, so I needed more excitement in it. Well, that's the thing. Exciting drafts don't necessarily turn out to be your great team. For example, no. I'll give you an example. Um, Keyshawn Johnson. <laughs> I mean, you're picking a wide receiver number one. I think we figured out at this point you're just dumb. Unless that's the last piece to your puzzle and the rest of your team is done solid all the way through. Wide receivers don't last that long. They're usually, they can, a lot of them are busts. Running backs, you know, they last three point five years in the league. You know, a, a lineman last can last ten years if he's a good lineman. Eight years. No, it's smart. It's just boring, but it is smart. How did you think? What do you think about the way they did it, Phil? The the draft. I thought they did a really good job, ESPN, to make an actual sporting event out of a real possible nightmare. Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, if you're a diehard football fan. All you care about is the picks. Who's you, you know you do you don't care about all the glitz and glamour. I mean they've gone kind of overboard in the last couple of years with Taylor Swift performing last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I know it's crazy. Just, yeah, they make it into a big. I have nothing against now. her, but I mean, but what is she doing at the draft? <laughs> yeah, um, well, I don't know. That's a good question. She does love Tennessee. <laughs> Wait, um, this quarterback for the Giants. I, you know, I, you know, when we were kids, I mean, the draft was on a Tuesday at ten in the morning. You know, it's just it was all in one day. 
Yeah. And you just, you know, and then when they started televising, I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. They're actually televising, this is great. And it was still just the picks. Well, there was one guy, Mel what? Kuyper, who would, like I was telling my wife, is, uh, you know, Mel Kuyper Jr., I didn't even know who Mel Kuyper Sr. was, let alone that Jr. was, right? And Mel Kuyper would come out and give his picks, and he was just an independent guy who's tracking college football players. Now there's a hundred guys like that. You know, he literally, yeah. you got it's impressive. They still have him, and then the other people argue with him now, and he's like, dude, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the man. Stop, stop arguing with me. But a lot of these guys do it better than him now. And these mock drafts have gotten out of hand. I know, I mean, every day. Like every week, there's another. I saw somebody do a mock draft for the entire seven rounds. I'm like, how much free time do you have? <laughs> and how ridiculous is this? I know. They're, like, And they're never even close. I, I saw a mock draft. Of, oh, no. I mean, all, one trade throws everything up. Yeah, not only that, but I saw a mock draft of next year's first round already. Yeah. So, yeah, I know it's absurd. I already know who we're taking next year. The only people, and the only people who have less free time than the people mocking these drafts are the people who read them. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh, my my favorite. I mean, I like to look at the mock draft for maybe the first round. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. beyond that, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Neil, go ahead. My favorite, but also saddest part, and it was hard to do it this year. I mean, you didn't feel this year is when you. When the guy doesn't get picked, but he's in the room, it happens a little bit more in the NBA, but it's just so depressing to watch the guy in that room and then they don't call his name, they don't call his name. Uh, also, it's, I'll tell you what's depressing. The guy I want, like the, I, they, they do so much analysis on these guys, it's almost overkill on some of them. Like, for example, there's always one guy that's going to drive me nuts for the rest of my career for the rest of his career you know like for I'll give you an example Laramie Tunzel okay Laramie Tunzel he was the guy Neil a couple of years ago that the day of the draft in the morning got, was on camera somebody released didn't like him and released a video of him like with a bong helmet remember that yeah, I think I do yeah. remember this. He dropped. he dropped out of the draft. He literally did not get – either dropped like two rounds or dropped out of the draft. Now, because – I think I think he was still first round, but he went much later than yeah, I, he thought he should have gone. But because of that, he was supposed to go high, right? And then whoever was supposed to – somebody was supposed to take him, and, and then we were going to pick Jack Conklin – uh, a right tackle who I really wanted, right? Because Laramie Tunsil did that, that the team, I think it was Tennessee, took Jack Conklin right before us, left us holding the bag right at the last second, and we took Eli Apple. So that caused two, that caused a ripple effect of, and we, the Eric Flowers thing was a really a nightmare at that point because we couldn't get a good lineman. And then Eli Apple turned into a bust for the New York Giants. And so he, they killed us twice. So Laramie Tunzel and his bong hat, I could argue, <laughs> got his got our GM fired. You know what I mean? Because it, it like it was just an. If you look at that draft well, of the did, Giants, it was did, awful. Wait, how did both of you react when they drafted Barkley? Well, I'm not. I'm not a. I didn't like that pick because again, by the time that they knew they were going to get rid of Eli in a couple of years. You could have picked a real stud lineman in that spot. I wanted the guy out of Notre Dame uh, who turned into a Pro Bowl player. 
Yeah, Nelson, he's a, he's played in the Pro Bowl now twice, I think. And, uh, like, this, that guy's going to play in the league for 15 years. And Barkley, by the time he's the Giants are good, he'll be done. So as much as I like watching Saquon Barkley run, he's going to be a good player on a bad team probably for until he's, you know. And what do you do at, at five years? Do you pay him or not? So... I don't know. To me, I still don't like the pick. I like Saquon Barkley. I think he's a good player, but to me, it was a terrible draft pick. Phil? Uh, I liked it. I felt like he was a it's a, a major star, a guy who could really ignite the offense. And has he? Um, his first year, he did. Um, How many games did we win? Not all. I mean, there were, there were plenty of examples of running backs who've had long careers. Emmett Smith, Walter Payton. Look, I mean, he's not saying, guaranteed he's going to be washed up in four or five years. That's true, but I mean, now like, they've got him a tackle to run behind, which will help. Of course, but uh, I've always been a proponent of you take the best available athlete, best available player, regardless of position. The exception being quarterback. Um, and I always give the Lawrence Taylor example. When they drafted Taylor back in '81, uh, I was Miserable. furious. Yeah, furious. I, I thought it was just the stupidest thing the Giants had ever done <laughs> because they were such a bad team. They needed help everywhere except linebacker. Yeah. They had good linebackers. I couldn't for the life of me understand why they would draft a linebacker. Obviously, I was wrong. <laughs> it turned out to be the great, smartest thing they ever did. Well, that's what... the greatest Giants of all time. I see. So you take the best available player and let the chips fall where they may. Well, wait a minute. Because when you reach for somebody, that's when you... Make a bad pick. Well, there you go. Well, except your your exception to that rule is Daniel Jones because, like you said, there's no way they should have chosen him at whatever it was six because he probably would have still been right. The quarterback's the exception because it's the most important position on the team, and when you need one, you got to have one. And obviously, Eli's time was almost up. Well, like I said, and it ended up being up sooner than I thought. I thought Jones would sit for the whole year, but I'm glad he played it. I mean, aside from the turnovers, he looked really good, and I believe the turnovers. You know, he'll get better at that. Yeah, I think so too. Neil doesn't. We will see. Um, is here's my other guy that I saw in this draft that's going to drive me nuts is that uh, T- Taylor Badiaz from Wisconsin. Um, another yeah. guy that I wanted. They passed him like four rounds. They passed him for like four rounds, and Dallas got him. And Dallas needed a center because Travis Frederick retired, so they're going to groom this kid to probably be the next. If this kid turns out to be a Pro Bowl center, I am going to lose my shit. Because I mean, it's he was known as a good player at Wisconsin, and they're known for their linemen. They're known for their running game. He calls all the signals. For, like you better be right that that corner Darnay whatever from UCLA is great, or whatever the Giants pick was in the fourth round was great. Because let me tell you, Dallas getting them is gonna hurt really bad. why every team in the league passed on him like four or five times. Uh, well, like you said, um, we'll find out. But I thought that... Just and, to- they did, and they did, and, you know, we didn't realize that when they, you know, they said they're going to move Shane Lemieux to center. Yeah, well, if you, they said... Oh, so they did, so that, they did draft the center, essentially. Mm, let's see. Um, well, can I ask the, the most the same important question? That, that guy went. Go ahead, Neil. The most important <laughs> Is football going to start in August nope, or not? That's my point. It's not. You're right. It's not going to start in August. 
There'll you don't be no, think so? Nope. We're, there's going to be no football season this year, so I don't even know that how that affects draft order. Because, like I said, if one guy has corona, the rest of your team has it. That's why I heard somebody said that the Eagles drafted um, – who's the quarterback they drafted, Phil? Jalen Hurts. Hurts, right. So they drafted Hurts because they think just in case <laughs> uh, Carson Wentz gets coronavirus, they'll have another big quarterback. That's great. Wait, if they if they give you a a, a piece of paper and you have to sign it and it and it says like I I don't hold anybody responsible if I get sick at the Giants game, you don't think then we can all go to the Giants game? Um, would, everybody would sign that piece I of think, paper to go watch. If you sign it and the players have to sign it, and I then, think there, yeah, I think there will be a season, but I don't think there's going to be any fans. That's going to be so. But would you two sign that piece of paper? No. I'm not going to do stats no. without a... I'm not going to do... We're going to have to do stats remotely. I'm sure they're trying to figure that out right now. That I can tell you. Anyway, you don't, real quick... You don't sign that piece of paper either, Lenny? Nope. Predictions... I have a baby. <laughs> Predictions on the Final Four this year. Go ahead, Phil. Real quick. Wait, for the NFL? Yes. The final four? Yeah, two in the AFC, oh. two in the AFC. Um, I want you to pick the Super Bowl winner. Right, let's see. Um, I'll say Ravens and Chiefs in the AFC. NFC. Uh, Niners and Saints. Niners and Saints. That's those are good picks. I'm gonna. Have to, I, I'll agree with Phil on those four. Definitely in the AFC. I think those are two powerhouses. The Ravens. If the Ravens and the Chiefs don't get back to the championship game, I would be really surprised. Um, and in the NFC, I think San Francisco's a pretty good lock. They are just stacked and probably miserable that they lost last year in the title title game. And then um, I don't know if there's a sleeper team. I might. I I love Russell Wilson, and they. I I'm never counting that guy out. So that'll be my uh, sleeper team if it's not New Orleans. Neil, just one team, the Steelers, baby. <laughs> All right. Neil's going all in. They send Ben out on top. All right, gotcha. All right, let's go to the fourth corner today. We're going to do an NFL quiz, and I don't want to tip what it is. And so, Neil, we will call you right back. All right, bye. Bye. All right, Phil, you still there? Yeah. All right, here's the NFL quiz. Listen, I'm going to give you – because it's an NFL draft quiz. They're all number one picks. The answers here are all number one picks. I'm going to give you four facts about the person, and you just tell me the person. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's okay. very easy. And um, we'll see how many you can oh, – there's 15 questions. We'll see how many you can do. Go. Okay. LSU, quarterback, 2020, Cincinnati. Joe Burrow. Good. Louisiana Tech, quarterback, 1970. Steelers. Terry Bradshaw. Two for two. Auburn. Running back. 1986. Raiders. Bo Jackson. Old Miss. Quarterback. 2004. Giants. Eli Manning. But he wasn't drafted by the Giants. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? No, yeah. Philip Rivers was drafted by the Giants. I thought they'd ch- they traded him after. They the traded him. Okay, my bad. I yeah, thought... Eli Manning was drafted by the Eli Manning was drafted by the Chargers. And then he traded him right as after he got picked. Yeah, 
Right, right, right. You're right. All right. Sorry. My bad on that one. Virginia Tech, quarterback, 2001, Atlanta. Michael Vick. Yeah. Stanford, quarterback, 1983, Baltimore. John Elway. Georgia, quarterback, 2009, Detroit. Uh, Matt Stafford. USC, wide receiver, 1996, Jets. Deshaun Johnson. Florida State, quarterback, 2015, Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston. Penn State, running back, 1995, Bengals. Kurt Warner. No. Let's go to the next one. Miami, quarterback, 1987, Tampa Bay. Vinny Testaverde. Nice. USC, quarterback, 2003, Cincinnati. Can you repeat that, please? USC, quarterback, yeah. 2003, Cincinnati. Uh, pass. Okay, Illinois, quarterback, 1990, Colts, Indianapolis Colts. Arch Leister. <laughs> no, I could guess. Oh, Illinois. I think he was Ohio State. It was Arch Leister. Yeah, he was. Vatek, defensive end, 1985, Buffalo Bills. Bruce Smith. Yep. And last one, Tennessee State, defensive end, 1984, Dallas Cowboys. Um, Clock's right. Harvey Martin. Oh, good guess, though. No. And you want to go back to the other one? USC quarterback, 2003, Cincinnati. I can't think of anyone. All right, done. So you, exactly three minutes. Three minutes. See if Neil can do it under three minutes. And you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven out of 15. Pretty good. All right. All right, we'll call Neil back, and I have to look up that fact. I could swear that the Giants made the trade, and then the Giants drafted him. No, uh, they, the Chargers drafted Eli, the Giants drafted Rivers, and then and then they traded him later that day. They made the trade. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I have to. Uh, I don't remember that. But all right, let's call Neil. Are you confident? What do you think? I don't know how much he knows. He's actually pretty good. I don't know if he's Phil, but... Uh, okay, do I got a chance? I think you got a chance. Ooh, let's do it. Oh, Phil's never going to live it down. All right, this is an NFL draft, draft quiz. All these people were number one picks. Okay? I'm going to give you four facts. You just got to tell me who the guy is. All right? Yeah. Okay. All right, here we go. Phil, and... Filled it in three minutes. Go. LSU, quarterback, 2020, Cincinnati. Uh, shit. Uh, what's the first draft pick? Uh. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, Phil, you may stop worrying. The clock's running, Neil. Uh, you want to go back? I and I can't think of his name. Oh, my God. Uh, you can go back to it. 
Yeah, pass. Okay, number two, Louisiana Tech quarterback, 1970 Steelers. Terry Bradshaw. Yeah, you better get that one, you piece of garbage. Auburn running back, 1986 Raiders. Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. Good job. Ole Miss quarterback, 2004 Chargers. Uh, Eli Manning. Yep. Uh, number five, Va Tech quarterback, 2001 Atlanta. Uh, Michael Vick. There you go. Number six, Stanford quarterback, 1983 Baltimore. Stanford? Oh, Harbaugh. <laughs> nope. Good try. 1983, you goof. Number seven, Georgia. It was Elway, by the way. Georgia, yes. quarterback, 2009, Detroit. Stafford. Yep. Number eight, USC wide receiver, 1996, Jets. Keyshawn. Yep. Number nine, Florida State, quarterback, 2015, Tampa. Uh, shit. Uh, Winston. Yes. Number 10, Penn State. Running back, 1995, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, this is a tough one. No, I just thought of him, but I can't think of his name. Because uh, the Steelers played him every year. I just can't think of his name. You want to pass? Uh, yeah, I want to say Dalton, but that's not right. Pass. Okay, Miami, quarterback, 1987, Tampa Bay. Uh... Wait, say that again? Miami, quarterback, 1987, Tampa Bay. That's Yes. Number 12, USC, quarterback, 2003, Cincinnati. Uh, USC, quarterback? Oh, uh, uh, Palmer. Yes, Carson Palmer. Good one. Oh, it's going to be close. Number 13, Illinois, quarterback, 1990, Colts. Oh, shit. I know him. I just can't think of his name. He had, like, the mullet. <laughs> he was a total flop, kind of. Uh, but he had a great arm. Shit. That's that's pretty good. Cover uh, of Sports Illustrated. Uh, shit. You want to pass? Pass. All right, 14, Virginia Tech, defensive end, 1985, Buffalo Bills. Smith. Yep. Number 15, Tennessee State, defensive end, 1984, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, shit, I'll never think of his name. Uh, I can't pass. All right, so here you go. We go back to the top one more time. Number one, LSU, quarterback, 2020, Cincinnati. The first pit, Bur- Burrow. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, let's go back to... You got the running back for that was wrong. So, Oh, Penn State, running back, 1995 Bengals. Last chance. I just can't. I can't think of it. All right, you're done there. Boom. Who was it? Kajana Carter. God, I, could, I just couldn't think of it. I remembered it. My father called him Vagina Carter. <laughs> He drafted Vagina Carter. All right. Illinois quarterback, 1990, Colts. God, I know. I just can't think Bird. Or, I can't think of his name. All right. Jeff George. Yeah, shit. Jeff George. And I knew it. 
two, three. Uh, well, I, I had a can. I should have got LA too. I wasn't thinking. This is your last chance, Neil. If you get this, you win. So it's not you tie. We'll have to go to the tiebreaker. Tennessee State defensive end, nineteen eighty four. Dallas Cowboys. Bubba Smith from Police Academy. <laughs> Ed Too Tall Jones. <laughs> I don't know. Ed Too Tall Jones. You never heard of Too Tall Jones? Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> All right. We'll have to go to the one, two, three, four. Yeah, it's the same number. All right. We're going to have to go to the tiebreaker. First one who says it wins. Okay. All right. Here we go, people. Fresno State. Quarterback. 2002. Car. Oh, there you go. We have a winner, and it's Neil Potter. <laughs> nice job, Neil. I have to give it to you. At, in overtime. Very nice job. David Carr, correct. I'm sorry, Phil. Good job. Good job. I will never forgive myself for forgetting Carson Palmer. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, the way we end the show, Phil, every week is one good thing or one bad thing of the week. Um, Neil, you want to go first? Yeah, my my good thing they're they're always the same and good and bad. As I'm I'm a week away from throwing in the towel and just calling it a day and just living in this house. It's almost free, and then no one will ever see me again. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing. <laughs> I think I got enough money to last at least six months. All right. Well, you mean if it if it all comes back and we have to do the TV show, you're not coming? I'm putting myself in a lifetime quarantine. Okay. Phil, do you have one good thing or one bad thing that happened to you this week? I can't think. I mean, not one. bad thing was losing the quiz. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is bad. That is bad. Well, Neil's record is now, what's your record, Neil? Six and 62? I think that was my first win in almost two and a half years. Oh, that was, that was oh, great. He hasn't won in a while. But it was... <laughs> Uh, that was that was that was a fair fight. It was not like I gave him Giants draft picks. Phil would have trounced you in that. But next time we'll let you pick the rematch against Phil. I, I should get a bonus point though for knowing that thing about Eli. That's true. Um, sorry. That it's a good moral uh, moral victory on that one. Um, my good thing or bad thing of the week is um, well, my good thing is I'm I'm cooking, Neil. So I've been doing a lot of cooking for the family. And so that's I th- not that's that's definitely a bad thing. Not, it cannot taste good. Ask Gina. Not only we're gonna have you over. I'm so psyched about this, Neil. I'm gonna give you a list of shit that you can pick from, from scallops, you know, linguine and scallops to shrimps to amazing chicken. I'm cooking. Gina will vouch are for you. Me. Are you watching cooking shows? No, no recipes. You know, just doing some re- simple recipes. I figure out one, and then we do it. It's nothing complicated. You can all do it at home. You know. Uh oh. They're all good. Talking about a Lenny Marcus cooking show on television? Nope, we're not talking about that. We're just talking about having you guys over, and you can, you can <laughs> shove it up your ass as you say. You know what? This is pretty good. Shit, all right. I, I, I can't wait to see that. I just think that's impossible. Well, I'm going to give you a list of stuff you can pick from, and then we'll see. Okay. Which, which, whatever you want me to cook, I'll cook it for you. All right. Um, Phil Ellison, you can find him on his Instagram is Phil, E-L-L-S-N. And uh, you can look at his Instagram and see everything from Pat Kiernan to Jim Norton to John Tonelli. Him as a kid with John Tonelli. That was a cool picture. And... Um, 
His Twitter is at PhilEllisonNY1 for New York One. Um, anything else you want to promote, Phil? No. <laughs> well, Mr. Excitement still. Yeah, baby. Thanks for doing this, Phil. Phil, thank you so much for doing My this. Pleasure. We will watch you write the news on New York One. Now we know who does it. <laughs> We're ready for the tour whenever you want to invite yeah. us. We would love to come down. I would love to come down for that. Yeah, we'll come down for the tour. We would love it. He gave a tour. Remember, uh, Mitchell Bard said uh, Phil gave a tour, and he said it was really good. Yeah. I, I can't wait to take a tour of it myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All Phil. Right. Thank you, buddy. Stay, we'll Stay talk- safe in the queue. Yeah. Be safe. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay. All right. I'm still rolling. You, uh, we're still here. Neil and I are still here. I know I love Phil. I know Phil for a long time. But I got to tell you, um, he is really mad that he lost. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> he, he is really I don't know. Mad. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I thought it would be impossible to beat him because this is what he does. Well, he lo- you know, he does not want to be beaten in a sports quiz by anybody, let alone a guy whose record is like 5 and 60, you know, in the quizzes, but he's very competitive about that stuff and he is I'm telling you what, I'm not going to hear the end of this. Like Wait, do I, does, do, you, do I get a Joe Pisarczyk uh dent in the wall? <laughs> That's a great question. That's a great question for the follow-up. Don't dent the wall, Phil. Uh really funny. All right. And I will, if, if so, I want to send him a little label that I'll make that it can say, you know, losing the Neil Potter <laughs> on, on uh, so we can mark the day on April 30th. Let me tell you something. When you see him in person, you yeah. I, just, you got to bust his balls. And I mean, this is what we did to him as a kid. And he yeah. will get so fucking pissed. It will, ma- it used to make us crack up. Like, it's not a big deal, Phil. You know, it's okay. Can you just you- send him a picture of Carson Palmer? <laughs> Yeah, we'll send him a picture of me, you, and Carson Palmer. That would be hilarious. We'll do that. <laughs> well, I will definitely do that. All right. Yeah, you know what? Take a selfie of yourself. That'll be the picture for the week. Um, me, you, and Carson Palmer. All right. We'll see everybody. We'll see everybody next week. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Stay safe.